the path of the witch is so unique. The, the gift of witchcraft. I was able to see, hear, and communicate with spirits. A very personal relationship between a person and spirit. Carnal lust and some things like that. Working with different energies and spirits and communicating. Creating magic. Powerful yeah. ritual and powerful <laughs> spells. She's actually sending me in the cold. The role of the witch is to make change. Bless it be, y'all. Bless it be. People ask me, like, okay, I'm a witch, and I don't know what to do. Welcome, everybody, and thanks for joining us for another episode of That Witch Life Podcast. I am Kanani, and I am going to be the host today, and I am joined by my fellow co-hosts, Courtney and Hillary. Hello. Hello. And uh, today we have a bunch of fun stuff to talk about, and Hillary is going to discuss the use of dandelions in your magical practice, as well as we have a fabulous guest today. Nani Romanoff, who is going to be talking to us about making magic with yarn and yarn crafts. And I, uh, being the crafty one of the bunch, threw down the gauntlet and said I was willing to fight anybody who thought that they were going to host an episode about crafts over me. And luckily they were both bored and couldn't hear me. And so I got to do it. I think it was more like... You brought out your oh. inner seven-year-old not getting her way because it was, yeah, like, it. and if you think you get to do it and I don't, I'm craftier than you too. And Hillary and I were like, okay. okay. Yeah. Like, I'm like, no, I don't think it was a boredom thing. It was just a like, whatever. Cool. Sounds good. Like, <laughs> like this isn't the hill I'm going to die on. You're the crafty one. But it was, she was like, I'm doing this one. And it's like, Okay. You're doing uh, this? Well, it's understandable because this 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 artist's work is phenomenal. So I'm not well, surprised that that oh, there was a bit of a fight there. <laughs> but also, like you are the craftiest of the bunch, so that's fair. It's, it's 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 my jam. This is my jam. It is your jam. So, what have you guys all been up to? Uh, well, for me, not sleeping. Uh, two nights of insomnia in a row. And so by the end of this episode, I'm either going to be laughing, crying, or uh, leaving my body in an astral projection. I don't know. It's early. <laughs> it happen for the end of hour. hour and change. <laughs> also, friends, I am the one who edits this. So if it ends up being chopped and garbly and strange, it's because I haven't slept in two nights. Yeah. And it's Kanani's fault because she made me stay out too late last night. And then I was too excited when I came home and I couldn't go to sleep. So, yeah. We actually had a uh, a really good night last night. Courtney and I joined a group of uh, witches that got together at the Portland protests last night to just kind of be there in solidarity and show support for the Black Lives Movement. And it was, I haven't been downtown in quite some time, and so it was cool to be able to go and uh, take pictures of some of the art that the protesters have created and there was an absolutely beautiful memorial that had been created by the fountain uh, near the waterfront of people who's, uh, who have lost their lives to police violence. And um, it was just, it was a really great seeing so many different um, 
religions represented there, and it was kind of yeah. a group of clergy. Yeah, but we had there were a lot of Christians there, um, quite a few people from the Jewish community, and then uh, the witches. And we were loud, and we were embraced. They were everyone was glad to have us there. Um, so lovely. A woman rabbi who was blowing the shofar, and um, and then we marched with everybody. We marched up to uh, the memorial that has been created right there outside the justice center, and had a second ritual. And it, it just, I actually, I really love doing uh, magic with interfaith people, and I've just found that over the years, especially in these uh, justice and movement spaces, there's a lot of embrace for magic and the goddess a lot among a lot of different religions. And I know that there are many places where, you know, the Abrahamic faiths can, uh, can shut out or abuse people that are in witchcraft. So I, I want to make that very clear, but I think where I have found the best bridges being built are in these spaces of movement and justice. There's just a real warm embrace and they're glad to see people show up. Right. Um, and it, it was, it was just good to be out. It's been, um, it's, it's been hard for me to watch the things happen in Portland and not be getting involved, but just because I had some health stuff going on, I couldn't risk being near tear gas. And also my nine to five is supporting activists. So there was a lot of work that I needed to be present to do, right? That what precluded me from getting into the streets out there in a way that there's a huge part of me, the young, you know, street blocking radicals still in there somewhere. And she was having a fit that I wasn't there for this one. So it was, it was, it was, it was good to be out. And I liked being out with Kanani too. You're actually a very good person to, uh, to march with because you stay calm, you stay grounded. Um, I don't have to worry that you're going to go run off somewhere and I'm not gonna be able to find you. And I had the keys to your car. So if you did run off. I'm also loud. That helps. People always like having me in a crowd. You can pick me out of a crowd fairly simply. (laughs) At this point. Yeah. Because everyone knows our voices. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I'm super bummed that I couldn't be there with you guys, um, but was definitely there in spirit. Um, uh, I think that these things are so important to get involved in. So like, so happy that you guys got to go down. Um, And I know, Courtney, you have an Instagram photo to share with us that we'll put up. I do. I do. It was the best protest photo I've ever taken. It was a little boy holding up his fist in solidarity right next to the uh, older woman rabbi who was blowing the shofar. And it, it's so beautiful. So it will be on our Instagram. Um, go check that out because I got all excited. And even Kanani said nice things when she saw it. So you know that that's a big deal. It was, it was a perfect picture. It was so good. You know it's good if Kanani's telling you it's good. Exactly. Like, like so good, I'm probably going to, like, print it and frame it and put it with next to my other protest picture that I have that I love. <laughs> awesome. I have a, a really a picture I bought back in, like, 2005, and I love it. It's from the RNC convention that came to town. Um, I'd have to look at the back because I can't quite remember what year it was. It was early 2000s. I think it was 2003. I think it was 2003. Yeah, 2003. That sounds right. And uh, there was the riot police had come out and they were blocking the streets. And so there's these people in full riot gear behind behind the blockades. And then there's just this beautiful young woman with her Hello Kitty purse. Standing there in front of the riot police. And, it, and this photographer had captured this like perfect moment of like the dichotomy of, 
of both sides. And I just, I, I purchased it right there at a street fair and I had it framed and up ever since. And I just love it. And so Courtney, your picture is going to be able to go next to that picture. That's Yay. how good this picture is. Nice. Say, I've always thought the only reason you really bought that picture is because you liked her Hello Kitty purse. That was a big part. <laughs> that that had a significant percentage, but I just I, the imagery to me was just so profound. And even when people see it, they just kind of stop and just kind of it just makes you think for a second because it just is so imbalanced. And so that's one of the things I, I love about it is it kind of makes you just kind of pause and go, well, that doesn't look right. So no, it was, it was a good evening. And then afterwards I took you out, we went out to eat something because we, neither one of us, for whatever reason, were smart enough to eat dinner before we went. And, uh, Courtney found that she was going to be able to get chicken wings, which oh she was God. super excited about. Cause that's our favorite thing that she hasn't been able to eat anymore because she can't have gluten. Yep. yep. And what was it you loved about the chicken wings? They were gluten-free. But yeah. I realized I was going to say something like, Kanani is to blizzards as Courtney is to chicken wings. And they were out. And I was so upset. I think I pounded the table with my fist like a child. Oh, my God. That's so sad. She was bunched. I, I, I should feel bad for saying this, but I don't. She was so bunched, it kind of made me giggle a little bit. <laughs> because... It was, this is my like horrible sense of humor because she was so excited. She was so excited. She was like, as soon as the girl came to take our order, she's like, I want the chicken wings. And the girl's like, oh, we're out. And just the look on her face was like, <laughs> why do the gods hate me? I've been marching for justice all night. <laughs> my, my first felt really bad, but then it was funny. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> You're the worst. I really, I really am. Well, she didn't stab me when I reached for her tots either. So I guess that was kind of. I didn't. I shared my tots with you. Sort of. You well, you you were cold and done with them, and you didn't slap me. So that's that's the that's true. Of Kanani sharing her tots when she's done with them, she true. doesn't slap you for taking them. <laughs> when I'm done with them and they've gotten cold, you can have my tots. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> my god. You're the worst. You were like, you were like the, the opposite of all the little friendship anecdotes that are written on mugs in the Hallmark store. All of it. 100%. Friends lift you up. Kanani tears you down. <laughs> That's why all of the memes where people say horrible things, people giggle and think about me. Because I would say those things. Oh I think those thoughts. It was like on our Facebook page this week when you posted that one of Wednesday Adams that says something like, it's not that I don't like you. I'm just saying I'd unplug your life support to plug in my coffee maker. And somebody responded yes. saying, I can hear Kanani's voice saying that. Exactly. Exactly. Because I, that, I would say that. What? I would do that. I think you have said that. Oh, I wouldn't. I would be shocked if I hadn't. <laughs> oh, my God. That is what I bring to the table. Maybe horrible, horrible sarcasm and indifference. That is, that's my offering gift. But it's not sarcasm because you mean it. You mean it. You're like, no, literally, I would. I mean, I didn't get to go to the protest, but at least I didn't have to endure Kanani. Kanani <laughs> <laughs> Hillary's like, oh, health concerns. Sometimes you gotta find a win, even in the saddest circumstances. I mean, while Hillary's out every um, night facing tear gas and rubber bullets, but if Kanani's there, she's like, too much, going home. 
Yeah, sorry, can't can't do. That's that's the real reason. No, it's not the real reason. Um, I have been. What have I been doing? I didn't get to do. I didn't get to be down there like I wanted to. But um, I have been. I started a new job, so I'm now uh, in uh, finishing week two of new job. So it's going really well. Um, and uh, if it's like it was a weird shift to like having not worked for a couple months due to COVID and then suddenly like, you know, like, like, like a a 180, like, you know, like healing out. Um, and so you guys are assholes. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it was a little bit of a shock to the system, but it also feels good. I like to keep busy. So, um, it feels good to be back in the swing of things. Um, and then, yeah, been my vegetable garden's going fucking crazy. Like I'm, I like maybe the zucchini moon. Some we we somebody agreed we really should rename the sturgeon moon to the zucchini moon. Yeah, dude, <laughs> legit. I mean, like I had no concept really of how much zucchini would happen. Um, and there's already like five or six that are ready to be picked or close to be being picked and then like another 10 I'm just like oh my god what I'm gonna have to get creative with zucchini um but I am excited for that and yeah so I've just been like working in the garden and I'm reorganizing my office space which is exciting and obnoxious at the same time uh and yeah that's uh that's been me a whole lot of nothing exciting <laughs> I mean it's exciting. my neighbor brought over a zucchini that is probably the size of a newborn it is huge and I'm going to make the shit out of some zucchini bread with chocolate chips with that thing. Yeah. Gluten-free. My husband is picking up. Yeah. He is picking up the gluten-free baking powder and bringing it home. And so Kanani, there may be some still available when we go camping this weekend, but I'm not going to guarantee it. There is one form in which I eat zucchini. And that is when they are diced up into like pickle chips and deep fried. <laughs> That's 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 how I eat my zucchini. God, what is wrong with you? Vegetables are important, and deep frying them. I just said I eat. I love them. I love them. Takes away all of the nutrients. I'm good with that. It, t- it makes them delicious. Oh my oh, god! Deep fried zucchini chips are phenomenal. It's just oh my god, Kanani. That reminds me of the kebabs when you're at my house and you didn't eat any of the vegetables and you put them in a pile on your plate and it was really funny. But it also reminds me that I was at the Albertsons the other day and the meat counter guy was there again and he had cornered the dairy guy and he could, the dairy guy could not, not the dairy dairy guy guy was like loading the cartons of milk into the case. And there was the meat counter guy that was like standing there micromanaging him. And I was like, dairy guy, no. (laughs) Fuck with the dairy guy. He has usually like the coffee creamers and stuff too. Like he's an important part of the system. He's the one who's already putting out pumpkin spice coffee, mate. This is what I'm saying. (laughs) He needs his space. Let the man work. This guy is, this guy is lethal to the business of Albertsons. I may never go there. I'm probably going to go there again just to see, just to see what happens next time I'm there. But yeah, he cornered the dairy guy. I was like, I was like, Kanani, oh my God, I almost filmed it, but then that would have been creepy. So I did it. I was going to say something horrible and then I stopped myself. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Every once in a while, I know that that is just like six steps too far. We don't go there. I know. I was like, that's the first time ever that you stopped saying something terrible. I know. That's how 
That that's that's how far off the bridge it went. We just we're just gonna stop that. <laughs> I kind of want to know, but I probably don't need to. So I think we're good. You're a better person not knowing. <laughs> You'll like me more not knowing that sometimes these are the thoughts I have. Okay, we'll see how that goes. Exactly. I actually had an amazing weekend um, prior to you and I went out Monday, but then over the weekend I went camping. Uh, and did was actually out camping during Lunasa, which is awesome because to me, so many of the festivals, I mean, I, I, I live in a condo like a lot of people, so I don't have a backyard. And I get so bummed a lot of times when I can't spend the holidays, uh, you know, outside. And I'm just too lazy to like find an outside to go to. So if it's not readily available in a backyard, it just doesn't happen. So I happened to be outside camping during the during the event, and it was so much fun. And we were there with two amazing people. They're actually the people who uh, are behind the Witches Resistance here in Portland. Yay! And they had a they had an amazing um, s'mores ritual that we did with the kids, which was super fun. Where I'm going to try and see if I can remember this right. The graham crackers are earth. The marshmallows are air the chocolate is water and then clearly the the stick that you put the marshmallow on over the fire is fire oh my god that is the cutest thing i've ever heard That's so adorable. it was it was so much fun and um and uh my daughter ended up getting gifted a pearly everlasting plant and she is now like totally had her interests peaked in gardening. And I've promised her that, you know, someday when we buy a house and we have a backyard that she can have her own little garden, which she's like over the moon about. And so we got her a little planner box for the back patio because she wants to start learning how to grow herbs. And um, so it's a lot of this, the witchy stuff that, that we do and that I do, she is interested in it, but it kind of hasn't really captured her attention. And so I've kind of been waiting for something to kind of spark her interest. And the, uh, it's the fact that, um, she takes the herbs and makes like apothecary things with them. So like we had homemade bug spray and she makes lip balms and all these other tinctures that my daughter was just like, she was just over the moon about it. So now she's, I started giving her some of my green witchcraft books to look through and um, actually was suggested the book, hold on. This is the same little girl who was absolutely not into digging in the mud this past spring when you guys planted my flower garden. Oh, no. Oh, okay. So I asked, I said, what book, what herb book do I need to give her to have her start looking through things? And she said that for decades now, her go-to book is called The Herb Book, the most complete catalog of herbs ever published by John Lust. Okay. And it is not a magical book per se. It is strictly a herbs, what is their Latin name? Everything has a picture as well, which she really likes. And like a small description of like where it grows, how, how you know, how to care for it, things like that. And she has said that for decades that has been her go-to planting herb book. So I'm ordering that for my daughter as well. And so it was just kind of fun to, one, be outside, kind of have the celebration. We did the little s'mores ritual, which I think I posted on Facebook. 
And um, we'll definitely post the link on the website and also um, get the recommendation for this book and to see my daughter kind of get really excited about uh, about kind of something witchy was really fun for me to see. So it was a great weekend. I had a good time. Yeah, I think that even these quote unquote non-magical books are actually the ones I think can be most helpful because for me, learning about a plant's magical capabilities all stems from knowing about its um it's like it's experiences in wildlife like the fact that walnut is one of the most aggressive plants toward others means that it can be very good for protection magic right yeah so that's where i think a book like that even though it's not quote unquote a magical book can be a really invaluable tool for a witch i agree 100 percent. i think that um, to me, they just, they go hand in hand, which is why I wasn't, I was not surprised that, you know, someone who, like I said, has so many apothecary items, who's been a practicing witch for decades, who's a, you know, a founder of, you know, part of the witch's resistance and her go-to book isn't necessarily, you know, a quote unquote, you know, Wiccan magical book. It's, it's, it's the down and dirty, you know, these are the herbs, these are how you grow them you know, this is their Latin name. And she just was really talking about how for her getting into it, really just getting to know the nature and the natural element of these things helped her to then build kind of into, like you said, once you know certain things about it, all of a sudden magical elements start kind of making sense and coming to fruition. And so then when you read about things like that, it's like, yep, get that. Yep. Get that. And so, um, yeah, I thought I thought it was really cool. I'm excited to see the book, and my daughter was excited that you know each one comes with its own little picture, so you can kind of see it in your head as you're kind of learning about it and studying it. That's so awesome. I love that. So, uh, speaking of you know gardens and growing things and whatnot, Hillary, I know that you wanted to kind of talk about dandelion and how you can use that in your magical practice. Yes. So. Um, in line with what Courtney said, first of all, dandelion is a very multi-useful herb. I mean, there's so many uses for it and so many different things you can do with it. Um, and, and also being in line with how the, the, um, plant, I mean, I guess not herb, but plant grows in the garden. Um, they're incredibly, incredibly resilient plants, right? You can like mow them over in your, I mean, I, I know like literally every week I'm like, Oh my God, I just mowed. And like the grass isn't growing again. And like nothing else is growing again, but those dandelions are popping up out of nowhere, um, with no water, no rain recently. So they're an incredibly resilient herb, which means that they're really good at bringing in resilience as one of their purposes. So, um, if you are working a spell that's trying to break through, um, a, break a habit, uh, get over an obstacle, move something out of your way, persevere through something difficult. Dandelion's a great herb to use in those spells. Um, because again, if it's resilient in the wild, it's resilient in its magic. Um, we all know, you know, as children with dandelion, you know, when they're sprouting up and all the little seeds are there, we blow them as like wishes, right? And so that came from folk magic or folk history of the plant. Um, and, and so they're really good at bringing in luck or wishes. So if you're putting together a spell jar, 
um, or a spell that is involving luck or, or, um, you know, there's something you're wishing or hoping for dandelions good to integrate into that. And even using it just like we did as kids. Um, and you can you in blowing the seeds of the dandelion out, um, there's a couple, a couple of things you can do. You can either, um, when you blow it, send a wish out. And again, it's sending it out into the atmosphere, into the universe. But also when you're looking at uh, clearing up or breaking up blockages or breaking through something, you're, you're blowing on that and you're seeing it dissipate. So again, when you're trying to break through something, you could blow on that as a very simple way to use its magic. Um, they also bring in a lot of joy and happiness. We see that in their color. They're bright yellow. They're really pretty. They make you feel good. So you can bring them in um, and use them on an altar to bring in just kind of playful, light, happiness, and joy. Um, and so placing them on your altar um, is a great way to two things. One, bring it in, to, in for yourself. But if you place them on your ancestor altar, also bringing in you know, um, joy or happiness or gratitude towards your ancestors. Um, and then they're also really good in dream divination. Um, so you can place them. Um, I I've used them before, uh, put, putting parts of the dandelion under, um, under my pillow, um, or next to the bed. You can also steep them like a tea and put that next to the bed. Um, again, I don't, um, I don't want to uh, tell people to drink uh, plants that they're not familiar with, but you can you could make a tea and place it next to the bed, or you could put it uh, put them in a little dry, dried bits of it in a kind of sachet underneath the um, underneath your pillow to bring in good and clear divination into your dreams. So, like that's literally a fraction of the things you could use for dandelion, and they're everywhere, so they're really easy. Um, if you are on our Patreon. Um, I gave you a tour of the, of my garden. Um, and in there you'll, in that video, you'll see that I have bundles of them gathered. And I just like went out and cut them before I mowed the lawn. I went and cut all the flowers, um, and brought them in and dried them, um, so that I can use them in for a number of different purposes. Mm, I just, I love that. I have so many dandelions out right now and I'm kind of trying to leave them because they're so good for the bees. Yeah. But there's also part of me that's like, oh, I am the yard that has all the dandelions in it, but I don't, we have such a stigma about them. I don't know what that is. You know, I think that like we have this, this thing where we're like beautifully groomed yards. It should be short. It shouldn't be, you know, and, and, you know, if you want to, if you want to create a nice groomed yard space, you could even leave a section, an area, a corner of the yard that you don't use that often and let them kind of grow and do their thing there. Because I get it. Like you want to be able to sit out and not have them poking up your butt while you're sitting on the ground. I get it. But like maybe leave it around the perimeter of the yard or a section of it. The bees love dandelions. Um, and, and again, like I went through before I mowed my lawn, um, and cut and cut them all. I left like some on the perimeter and then I cut everything else down, um, or like big, not everything, but big sections of it down and, um, and then save them and dried them. Uh, some of them I left, you know, left out as flowers, but some, and then I dried the rest, um, to use for magical work. And again, like that resilient side of it, we know, I mean, like you can cut them down and they'll pop back up so fast. They're hard to get rid of in a yard. So just as we've talked about lemon bomb being very difficult to get rid of, um, you know, and being incredibly resilient, same with dandelion. So yeah, if you're finding that you're struggling to break through something or you're just, or you feel like you need a little bit of resilience behind you or fortitude behind you, I mean, like 
that's what that herb, I mean, that's what that herb, that's what that plant is. That's what that plant is in the wild. So it comes down to what Courtney was saying about when you learn about the natural properties and the natural occurrences of plants in the wild, you also learn a lot about their magical properties. Definitely. And for our listeners on who are also part of our Patreon, uh, Hillary was awesome enough to actually uh, post a video of her garden on our pace and our Patreon page. Hillary, it looks phenomenal, by the way. That's the first time I've seen it because hashtag COVID, I have not been to your house in a while and you have done incredible work. <laughs> it's been, you know, it's like, it's like, I was like, I have nothing to do. So now I'm going to do this. And so, yeah, the edible garden is huge. And my herb garden, I did have some herbs get aphids or some of them got like some weird fungus. So I had to repot some that I got new starts for. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's been, it's been a, a kind of enjoyable thing. I feel like there's something really um, grounding in working with plants and also um, for those of you that listened to a previous episode with Christopher Penzak, it, there's like a really cool relationship you build with plants. So it's like they've become my little friends when I literally have very few people to interact with. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Well, I think we are at the point where we are ready for a sponsorship break. Yes. Yay. We want to thank Keen for sponsoring this episode. Sometimes Courtney pretends to be busy and won't read my tarot, but luckily I've got Keen. Keen provides access to vetted psychics and spiritual advisors who provide guidance and insight on life's challenges, clarity and love, relationships, career, and more. As a mom, I never know when I'll have any time to myself, so I love that Keen advisors are available 24-7. There's always someone online, so you can easily schedule a call with an advisor. My advisor was Anastasia Christine, who gave me an incredible reading that was very helpful and personal. I felt like she immediately connected with my energy. When you find the right advisor, developing an ongoing relationship leads to a number of benefits. Monthly intention setting, gaining clarity on the significance of synchronicities, chakra clearing, and getting perspective from someone you know can offer clear and direct guidance. Another plus side, Keen is the most affordable way to meet new advisors. Each week, Keen sends its users discounts on readings, making Keen one of the most affordable ways to receive multiple psychic readings. If you're a Keen user, check your email to see this week's discount, because who doesn't love discounts? As a new Keen customer and a listener of our Crazy Pants podcast, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99. Pricing then depends on which advisor you choose, and the services are backed with a satisfaction guarantee. So if you want to try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, go to trykeen.com forward slash that witch life. Keen, because you deserve answers. Thanks again to Keen for sponsoring this episode. We have an amazing guest joining us today. Their name is Nani Romanoff. They are a black and native Hawaiian fiber artist and witch. Their cultural traditions are the backbone of both their art and their magical practice. Nani is a grave witch. For them, this means that much of their magical practice is centered around interacting with ancestors, spirits, and the dead. They embrace magic that is often written off as dark or spooky and are very firmly pro-hex. They spend a lot of time knitting in graveyards. Their art can be found in their shop at castingcraft.etsy.com. You're okay. fabulous. 
First oh, of thank all, you. Nani wins for the best witch bio of all time. Of all right? Time. I'm oh, like, okay. I'm like, oh man, I need to rewrite my bio. I Graveyard, sound. You had me, you had me at dark and spooky. That's all I have to <laughs> and then we have Knitting in graveyards. I'm like, yes, yes. this is why we have the show. And this is why we do witchcraft. Cause there are people out there knitting in graveyards and I want to hang out with them. Exactly. Yeah. No, no. I spend a lot of time, um, mostly at relatives graves, but sometimes like, at um, graves of like people that I don't know, just kind of knitting and vibing and chatting with the spirits. That's so fabulous. That just sounds uh, exactly. That's the perfect phrase. Exactly. That's just fabulous. That just sounds like that almost makes me want to knit. It's so <laughs> close. That could almost get me. I've actually tried. I'm like, that would be effort though. I know. Dear. Exactly. <laughs> I've actually tried because I love, I'm just, I love knitted items mm-hmm. and I, and I am a crafty person. Mostly I do like paper crafts. Um, and I have tried like knitting and crochet and stuff like that. I just do not have the patience. I just, I just don't. And I'm so jealous of the people who do because they can make like the most beautiful, incredible items. And I'm always, yeah, I was, I was drooling all over your Etsy shop and some of your Instagram pics. And I was just like, Oh my goodness, that's so cool. Yeah, I know the messenger bag is absolutely gorgeous. That's what I keep. That's the one I keep thinking about when I'm like, ooh, where am I going to get that money? Because I love that bag. That's beautiful. Hillary, have you seen this Etsy shop yet? I have. I Well, first of all, uh, I used to work for Etsy. So, like, I'm already a big fan of Etsy. And uh, and I every time we have a guest that has a Etsy shop, I'm like, that's the first thing I do. I'm like, what? Check out the shop. And I like to spend money inappropriately. So there is that. too. <laughs> It's not a bad combination. If you're going to spend money inappropriately, do it at Etsy. I'm a double tourist, all right? We like to buy things. I like comfort items. <laughs> so, Nani, one of the first questions that we like to ask our guests is, when or how did you know that you were a witch or a magical person? Okay. Um, so that question's like a little bit complicated for me because I was definitely like deadass doing a lot of witchcraft way before I like knew what that was. And... um it's funny because how I got into witchcraft is actually almost the exact same way I got into yarn. Um, when I was like really small, my grandma, um, whom I lived with at the time was just like teaching me things. Um, and so like, I'm like three and I'm like, Hey, I'm bored. And so she's like, okay, like here's some yarn. And then started teaching me like how to do yarn. Um, and like, she did a lot of witchy things, but she never called it that. Like she is like, up to her neck in hoodoo constantly being like oh do you have a headache say this psalm and light this candle and rub this on your forehead it'll be fine and like which is definitely witchcraft but like if you were like hey do you do witchcraft she'd be like in my good christian home no never and she at the same time also vehemently insists that she doesn't knit and she doesn't crochet but like every knitted item that i didn't make like came from her so both things were just kind of like things that like I grew up around like doing, but like, I didn't really have like language for until like I went to high school and then like I met another witch and I was like, Oh, other people do this shit too. And apparently there's words for that. I love that. That I feel like that's a common theme that we hear from people where they're like, yeah, I was like completely doing spell work and magic work. I just wasn't calling it that. (laughs) I just didn't know what to call it. Right. Yeah. And the power when you finally get a name for it, like, oh, 
I always knew I was weird and I always knew I was into this. And then that power and that relief of, okay, it all makes sense now. Yeah, no, definitely. So would you say that when you kind of started getting into it, would you say that immediately your yarn work was kind of a part of it? Or did you kind of end up melding the two as you learned more about both? I don't really know when I actively woke up one day and was like, hey, the yarn work I'm doing is like also witchcraft. But like, um, like I'm Hawaiian and we do have like a strong tradition of like weaving and like knot work and things like that. And so like, because a lot of my craft is rooted in like my spirituality, um, there was always like a lot of like, my teacher was always teaching me, like, if you're going to make something out of yarn, it's basically just tying a lot of knots. And you want to make sure that all the knots are only holding good intentions. So you can only have good things in your heart when you're knitting. So if you're mad, you like have to stop. And like, that's definitely like a more witchy way to look at fibercraft that I was definitely taught like super young, but I don't think I realized until college, like, Hey, I'm just doing witchcraft when I'm just vibing my way into having a scarf or whatever, you know? And now, now we know why it never worked for me. <laughs> exactly. Fact. You're better with stamps. Like, that's why it never vibed for me. Because it's like, no, you are too pissy for this. This does not work for you. You step away. <laughs> but I would wonder, do you find that it's, does it help, um, does it help process anger? Does it help process grief and things when working with the yarn work, or is that something that it's, you've got to consciously set aside before you get into it? Um, I mean, like, I'm just kind of at a point in my life where there's just yarn in my hands at all times. Like, um, I am literally working on a blanket right now nice. as we speak. Um, so I do use yarn a lot as a coping tool and as, um, something I do like when I'm stressed to help like calm me down because for me it is kind of a meditative exercise like when other people talked about like meditation and like clearing your mind and like letting the thoughts go quiet I never had any idea what they were talking about until I realized that like a lot of times when it's quiet and I'm knitting like that's all that's happening like I am just in this moment just like vibing with my yarn and like making a thing and so like I think it is really good for me when I'm like stressed to like kind of center myself but Unless I, like, really hate the person and I'm like, no, I want these bad thoughts to, like, stick to you. I'm not, like, upsettedly making um, yarn things for, like, other people. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that I think really drew me to liking the whole concept of, of knitting is that it's very methodic and that it, it is very meditative. Mm -hmm. Like, I can totally see that because it's just so repetitive that it allows you to just kind of sink into it and just kind of lose your thoughts into it and it just becomes very rhythmic. Mm -hmm. So I, I can absolutely see how, how you could do something like that kind of as a form of meditation. Is there um, kind of, is there a way that you've intentionally brought your witchcraft into it or is it just kind of a natural, because you're a witch, it just kind of is naturally a part of it. Or do you ever just kind of be like, I'm a witch, so I'm going to make things like this. Um, so like, it's a little bit of both. Like a lot of times, like I'm just making things and like, I mean, keeping good intentions in my heart when I'm making things for other people to me is mm -hmm. witchcraft. But, um, I also like, I don't just knit. Um, I also spin. Um, I also know how to clean wool. So like I have taken stuff literally like from fresh off a sheep, like through the entire process of becoming oh. a garment. Um, and so with that, um, like I made a hat. And it was my good luck hat all through college. If I was going through, it was a beanie. Um, and if I was like going to a test and I just needed the good vibes on me, I had this hat. And with that one, um, 
I literally like had gotten this yarn as raw, like I had gotten it as raw wool. I cleaned that. I like carded it. I dyed it. I spun it. And then like it eventually became a hat. And throughout that entire process, I'm like soaking it in the water and I'm like chanting, cleansing things over it. And like when I'm spinning it, um, I'm spinning like clockwise to like invite things in and like counterclockwise to be like bad luck get away from me and then like when I was knitting it you know I had like certain intentions for it to draw things like to me like the entire time I was creating it so like start to finish that hat was like a very witchy project that was just like please bring me good luck and it was really effective I still have it it's still like my good luck beanie wow I love that I love that I'm so jealous of the ability but also that you got to like hang out with a sheep yeah, that also. We're big fans of barnyard animals here. <laughs> yes. Now, I mean, I didn't shear the sheep. I used to know a guy that, like, um, kept sheep, and he did the shearing. Like, I have no capacity to actually shear it, but I did get to pet the sheep. I mean, that's all anyone – I mean, like, I will let someone else do the work to shear it, but, man, I love cuddling sheep. They're so cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there seems to be a real legacy there, though, with the kind of – uh, the meditations and the, and, and like what I was saying is like the kind of affirmations that you're putting into the wool and things. I keep thinking about this author knowing that, yes, she is problematic. Marion Zimmer Bradley wrote in Mists of Avalon how the main character often went into trance when the women were spinning. And that was a big part of the mm-hmm. book is that whenever she sat down, even near, whether she was at the loom or near the loom, she would start getting really powerful messages and, and symbols while the, because you know, the, the sound of the, of the, the spinning wheel and the, the spinning of it and that, and, and just that, that same kind of action. So, you know, I think that there's, there's, um, there's, there's a real legacy there, you know, probably like cross culturally mm-hmm. where this is, this is a reality about this kind of work. Yeah, no, um, I really think so. Especially because like, I mean, it's such just a repetitive action that just, just get you into like a certain headspace. Like I know, like definitely like, my ancestors and my gods definitely do be communicating to me like while I'm spinning or like while I'm knitting, because it's like, I'm just in the headspace to hear from them Mm. Um, because my mind's quiet enough that like the message can get through. I'm not like too busy brushing off whatever's going on like spiritually. So that I can like think about what I'm making dinner, if that makes sense. Do you have something that's like your favorite thing to make or does that kind of very um it does vary sometimes but like like I was on like um a beanie kick for like two years where like I was just constantly making beanies and so like I just have like a drawer that's full of almost nothing but beanies but my favorite things to make um are lace like just lace in general like lace anything and then um I also really enjoy making sweaters so you know you mentioned something about like um, you talk about how you're very pro hex and then you mentioned something about like knitting to stick something to it. Have you used knitting in that capacity and doing hex work? Yes, absolutely. Um, not as something that like I've given to the person, but like, um, you know, you don't necessarily need to give your not work to somebody to be like working magic through mm-hmm. that. Um, and because knitting is such like a very meditative, like act for me that just gets me in the headspace to like do the witchy shit. Like, um, it's kind of the same concept as like when I was taking that hat start to finish, but like reading just good vibes onto it every process where like, um, with that one, um, that was, um, I was living with my birth mom for a really long time and she was like abusive and like a terrible person. So like, I definitely did a lot of like hexing at her that was kind of like protective work. There was a lot of like 
please take your negative energy and like go away. And also like, please reap what you sell. And just like reading that, like into like every stitch that I was making when I was like crafting, like, especially in her presence. Mm-hmm. So it was just like holding that anger in my heart while I was knitting near her. Right. Right. Well, you know what? Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. If, especially if it's a situation where you're, mm-hmm. you know, you need protection. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, to me, that seems, that seems like that's so, um, that's so old school, witch too, because so many of the things when people talk about the kind of, they talk about how the, the work was, was secretive. And so they might like turn a spoon into a wand or something. I don't know how, how true that all that really is. Cause I'm not sure that all witches use wands. Right. Um, but I think it may have been happening and people didn't even realize it. Right. And that's, just, um, yeah. and it also kind of reminds me of the, the work of the rosary. It's that kind of with the, you know, working with the fingers and getting into the meditation, there's gotta be some kind of, some kind of biological, if not just in spiritual connection there. Yeah. Um, my grandma always used to say that like, when the hands are busy, the mind is quiet. And so like, I think with like, we just have like this innate thing as humans where like sometimes in order to get the brain shut off, we have to occupy part of ourselves, like doing something. And I think that's why like there is like people pray the rosary or people like knit and do witchcraft or like, you know, people do a lot of moving around their hands when they're spell casting, but it's just like, sometimes you just have to be doing something to be quiet enough to actually be effective. Yes, exactly. I think I'm going to try knitting tonight so I can get some sleep. <laughs> well, Courtney, you actually used to do cross stitch, if I remember right. I did for a very long time. And you were very good at it. Yeah, for a very long time. It's something, I have a piece of, the piece that scares my family because it's a sorceress with her hand up over this giant Saturn. And I've been working off and on on it for 15 years. <laughs> Some cross stitch pieces I just shoot out in six months and some take me two decades. Um, <laughs> and I, I was actually thinking about that as, as I come with it. And it does, it does put you into a mindset because you have to, you, at least with cross stitch, you have to follow a pattern and you have to follow mm-hmm. it uh, precisely or you end up getting screwed up and you have to rip everything out and redo it. And I'm not a knitter. I'm assuming there's probably something to there's something similar to that. And so you don't have a lot of space to be angry when um, you're too busy, like counting your counting your stitches and making sure everything lines up and um, making sure you have all the right threads. And then in my case, keeping them away from the cats because the cats like to steal the thread and then bat it around the room. So it's a whole thing. But yeah, I do have a piece I've been working on for a really long time. But um, some of my family members get really nervous with it. <laughs> so I have to finish it at some point. I mean, um, I also do a bit of embroidery and a bit of cross stitch. And I just finished a piece that I started when I was first learning to sew so when I was like four and um I literally just finished it during this pandemic and um part of that was it got lost for a bit and so I didn't know where it was for a decade and then when I was sorting through my floss um I found it and I was just like oh hey this is actually looking really nice um so I ended up finishing that but cross stitch and like knitting on like that kind of level are like um very similar in the fact that you kind of do have to be mindful of your pattern and you do have to like you know if you're working with multiple colors know where all your strings are and I also have to keep my stuff away from my cat who wants to eat it um so there really isn't a lot of space to be like frustrated with it because if you get too frustrated then you're just creating mistakes and like creating problems for yourself and then there's more you have to rip out but there is like, I just, the, the very feeling of the pulling the thread through the fabric has always been very soothing. I think I learned to do it. My grandmother taught me how to cross stitch. I mean, all the women in my family were doing cross stitch at, at certain point. They've all, they, they all quit. And um, I'm the only one that still does it. And I haven't done it in years. 
but was my Nana that taught me how. And I remember she would go to the grocery, remember like she taught me how to do it and um, would show me each line like, okay, now you need to do these many stitches. And she was so patient. My mom kept being like, stop pestering your Nana, stop pestering your Nana. And she would so patiently sit down and show me how to do it again. And then I, I will never forget, she went to the grocery store and she was gone for like two hours. And I remember it was killing me like waiting for her to come home to show me what to do next on um, the cross stitch. And I think I was waiting there in the kitchen, just staring like, a <laughs> you know, when she came in to like pounce on her and say, show me what to do next. And so there was so much joy when I actually created a piece just for her after my grandfather died. Um, I made mm. a piece with, um, and we're using like with a line from prayer footsteps in the sand. Um, and oh. I gave it to her as a Christmas present and she'd forgotten. She taught me how to do it. And I said, you taught me this. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, it was just, a, it was a real gift to be able to give that back to her. Um, Nani, is your grandmother still, still alive? Yep. Um, she is still alive and with us, um, and still insisting that she doesn't knit or crochet or sew or any of these things that she absolutely does. No, she's just the funniest lady because, like, if you ask her questions about any of the things she does, whether it's, like, the hoodoo that she's definitely doing or, like, the, like, Hawaiian-based, like, witchcraft she's definitely doing or any of the yarn work, like, just anything she does, she's like, why I'm not, you know, doing witchcraft or knitting or crocheting. She's like, that's just what you do. You just take this and then you just do this and that's just how it's done. They're, they're life then, skills at that point. They're not even crafts. They're just things that are done. Yeah. And, well, and she didn't really teach me how to sew, like to be a hobby or to be a craft it was just like I was tiny and she was like I, I distinctively remember her like holding up a sewing needle and looking at me and being like hey kid and I was like yes and she's like you know you're old enough to know that this needle doesn't go in your eye right and I was like yes and she's like cool and then she was literally just teaching me like how to patch my own pants or like how to fix my own frayed hem on my skirt because she was like if you're going to break your clothes you need to know how to fix them and so it was meant to be like a really practical thing. And then I learned all the decorative stuff later. I wish we all had those kind of skills. I feel like that's some of those are some of the skills that have kind of fallen out with all of our modern conveniences. Um, I know I certainly don't have, certainly don't have sewing skills. It's just not something that I ever kind of was taught. I can do very basic, basic sewing, but um, you know, those are the kind of skills that I think are just so special and important and valuable when they get kind of passed generationally like that. Yeah, no, and it's definitely been helpful, especially because like, I remember, um, my first job that I ever had that was like a real job where I was like, um, working somewhere, um, part of our work uniform was these t-shirts and my first year of working there, the t-shirts, um, the company that they had gotten them from had just like him the entire batch, like just sewn all the seams, like very, very badly. And so like, uh, three weeks into that season, the shirts just kind of started falling apart. And like, when I first got my shirt, I like saw it and I was like, wow, these are bad seams. These are going to fall apart. So I actually had completely taken apart my entire shirt and just sewed it back together, but properly. And, um, nobody else that I worked with at the time really knew how to do that. So it just turned into this lunchroom thing where everybody was bringing me, um, cause we ha each had like two shirts. And so everybody was just bringing me the shirt they weren't wearing to like literally take apart and put back together in the break room, like every day. And, um, that a lot of people were expressing that they wished that they had been taught those skills to be able to do that because that was just like a practical thing that they needed to know how to do and just didn't. 
And so like, I was always really grateful that she taught me. So I had a question about like some of the, um, the magical intention with the yarn work. Do colors play a role in the work that you do? Do you associate different colors with different uh, magical energies that you, does that factor into your yarn work as well? Um, sometimes, um, because it's like fibers though, um, I actually pay a lot more attention to what the texture of the yarn is than what color it is. Like, um, if I'm doing something that's supposed to be like, you know, comforting and bringing good vibes, I'm definitely going to, um, pick a fiber that's a lot less scratchy. That's a lot softer. That's like a lot Mm. gentler than something that's like, you know, like, an alpaca, which is just kind of like scritchy, no matter what you do it. Um, whereas like, you know, if I'm doing like protective work or if I'm doing work that's supposed to keep people like away from me, or like if I'm hexing somebody, I'm definitely going to go for like the scratchiest, like roughest thing that I can like find because that's just more like suited to it. And sometimes color plays a factor in there. Um, like I made a pouch, to help one of my coworkers get a boyfriend um, recently. And like that thing that I made for him was like red because like to him that symbolizes like love and like romance. Yes. And so sometimes it's a factor, but um, for me, the bigger factor was that like, you know, love should be both like soft and gentle, but also like strong enough to weather things. So I had to go on a quest to find like a very like soft, but also very sturdy fiber to make that out of. Um, which you don't find soft and sturdy together Not a whole often, lot. So like no. it took me a minute, yeah. but I did find one. That's amazing. Oh my God. I love this so much because I see we are so quick. Like me, like, well, yeah, red means love and green means money. So I'm sure you're making those associations, but it would never have occurred to me that the texture is going to have such a role in the magical, in the magical intent. That's so brilliant. It is brilliant. Like I would, that wouldn't have occurred to me either. I would have just been like, yeah, the color, just like I do with a candle or whatever, you know? So I think Mm -hmm. that that's such an amazing thing to consider if you're, if you're working with fiber, because yeah, if it's strong, but if it's really uncomfortable, would it then mean that that interaction was uncomfortable you know so it's like it's it's deep on so many levels yeah no there's just a lot of things like that that like I consider or like even just like um the actual pattern that I'm using to create this thing like um right now like the blanket that I'm literally working on while we're talking um it's a granny stitch blanket so it's um got a lot of gaps in it like like um for just like aesthetic purposes And like, that's not something, that's not a stitch that I would use if I was doing like love work because you, you want the love to be able to hold you. You don't want to be able to fall through those cracks. So like when I'm doing work like that, I tend to use stitches that are a lot more close together where there's not a lot of gaps, where there's not like things like, um, that feel like they're missing. Where like with this, um, it's kind of blues and I'm kind of just vibing with like, um, the idea of water and like things being able to pass through and things be able to like flow through and out of you um so like having a more open work stitch works for that oh I love that and it's also such a profound thought about love as well because you're saying it's hard to find a fabric that's both soft and sturdy but that's what you need for love but I think that's what we're all seeking for and those relationships don't come very often as something that's both soft and sturdy there's just a lot of I'm, I'm getting all the chills here as we're going into a lot of depth, both about magic, but also about the human experience. <laughs> do you, um, I, cause I looked at your Etsy shop. Do you also do, and you had talked about like some of the other things you've made. 
Do you also like do orders for like blankets and you said you like making sweaters and things like that? Um, so I will take custom orders for sweaters. I actually used to have a couple sweaters, um, listed on my Etsy, but then, um, I got married and I was working on my wedding dress. So like I had to take some of the bigger items off to work on that. And then the pandemic happened. Um, so it's just been like one thing after another, but, um, I don't very often do blankets because it's really hard to get people to like understand just how much work actually goes into a blanket and just how much yarn goes into a blanket and um so a lot of times they don't realize like just on base cost of materials like how much that actually costs because they're seeing like a knit blanket at walmart and go well that's like 25 bucks so why is this not 25 bucks you know it's like well it has 70 dollars worth of yarn in it for starters well and like that's one of the things i've run into with like um that messenger bag that you um that you all had mentioned seeing on my shop and like liking um where a lot of people don't quite understand why that's a 200 dollars bag but like that 200 dollars mostly just covers like the 20 some odd different yarns that are in it a lot of which were like specialty yarns that are a little bit more expensive and then just like how much time it took me to make that bag you know um, and then like, you know, blankets often go for like so much more than like $200 if you're actually factoring in like the cost of making that and it's a little harder to sell them. So I don't do it a lot, but sometimes like if I'm working with somebody that like understands that I will do blankets. I do lady blankets a lot more than I do like adult size blankets. I just, I'm, I'm envisioning like all of the energy and, and just everything you put into, or perhaps a onesie. Could you make a onesie? Um, I probably could. I haven't actually made a onesie before, but like I've made like baby sweaters and things like that. And it's not like that far from like making like a tank top. Oh no, I'm thinking for me. I'm, I'm thinking like a grown person covered head to toe. I could just come over and you could just wrap me with yarn. We wouldn't even need to knit it. You can just wrap me like, like a mummy with yarn. I would be good for that too. I mean, I have separately made pants and then also made sweaters. So like making a full body knit suit is not that far off of just like making it as a singular garment instead of separate pieces. Also, I would happily pay you extra to wrap her mouth shut too. <laughs> That's a lot of yarn. Take that deal. You're like, that's, that's a lot of yarn. That's a big investment and worth it. No, I'm just kidding. It's going to need to be very sturdy, though. It won't help. <laughs> that's the whole point of making. That's the whole point of being able to make your own stuff. Is you can literally like make whatever you want. Like that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. And like, I mean, also for me, like part of like me enjoying making my own stuff is also like I'm just like a larger person. And, um, so being like firmly within the plus size range, it's really hard to find like knitwear that's like my aesthetic and like will go on my body because like for some reason designers think like stores think that like you get over a certain size and you just want to look like your grandmother and like only wear florals and only wear things that are just kind of ugly and very, very bad. And I'm just like, I am only in my (laughs) twenties. Like I am still very fashionable. And so, um, Yeah. It really is nice to just be able to be like, I'm just going to like make whatever or like even like um, I made my wedding dress. I don't know if y'all saw that on my Instagram, but there's pictures on there. Um, Oh, I want to see. I want to see. I want to see. Yeah. um, No, if you go to my Instagram, um, I have pictures of the wedding dress that um, I had made. And like part of that was like in my head, I could see the wedding dress that I wanted. Like I exactly. But like lace wedding dresses are very expensive. And also... 
I knew that there was going to be issues with like finding one that would like fit me. And then like, um, also that I could like afford. And then even then it probably wasn't going to be exactly what I had in my head. And, um, my spouse at the time, or, um, well, my now spouse, my then fiance was like, well, you make things all the time. Why don't you just make your wedding dress? And I was like, oh heck I can. And, um, it took the better part of a year but um, it was exactly like how I envisioned it. So it was like, it's short. I love short wedding dresses. It's so pretty. Thank like, you. It is beautiful. It is so beautiful. Thank you. Oh my goodness. I think that's very cool too, that you kind of, you had a vision of it and then were able to kind of manifest that and create your vision of, of what you wanted. I think that's awesome. Yeah. No, like I could see like, in my mind's eye, exactly what that dress was going to look like. And I had a really hard time explaining to other people, like, what I was envisioning. But, like, I knew the whole time that, like, it was going to end up looking like that. And then um, a year later, that's what I had. <laughs> now I'm just looking at your wedding photos. They're so sweet. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. Wow, yes. So um, yeah. We got married at the Amazing Pizza Machine here in town because yes! we were, like, we're the best place to get married. And we were, like, the arcade. And they were <gasps> delighted because um, we were their first ever wedding, like, ever. Really? Um, yes. So. Other people are crazy for not doing that. Right? And, like, they were so good. And, like, um, it wasn't, like, insanely expensive. And, like, we didn't have to cater because they have a buffet. And then we just, like, had the laser tag and the arcade. And, like, we had such a great time. Oh, my God. That is the sweetest thing I've ever seen. Right. And now we have, like, a great excuse. Now we have, like, a great excuse every year to, like, go back to the arcade on our anniversary. (laughs) And you can wear your wedding dress. Yeah. That's so great. Yes. (laughs) it's awesome I think that's I I just I don't know I think it's cool how you've found something that you love to do and you know kind of just incorporated it into your life the way that you have I think that that's especially at a time right now when the world is so crazy I think it's nice to be able to find something like you said that you can just kind of pick up and and let your mind kind of find some center and grounding. I think that that's just really awesome. Yeah. No, it's been, it's been really helpful, especially since like, you know, I've been home since March um, because of the pandemic and like having all of the fiber crafts to do like uh, both as a meditative exercise and also just like, you know, as like stress relief is great because then I get to take like all of like um, the anxiety and the uncertainty about like what's going on and like, do something about it. And then like at the end of that, I'm like, Oh, and now I have a really good sweater or like, now I have a blanket. Like I have like a thing that I did where, um, other ways of like coping just like feel less productive to me. So they don't work very well to me, but, um, like that I like that, like I have something to show for my effort of like trying to calm down at the end of it. Mm. We actually have a listener question that we were hoping that you could maybe help us with answering. Um, the listener question was, I have recently started looking for answers as to why I can feel people's energy and feel their emotions. I've been seeing people who aren't really there. So I found my way to your podcast. How do I know if these are spirits and how do I know if this is witchcraft or just my mind playing tricks? My mother told me that our family has a history of witches and casters. I do have spiritual beliefs but I just don't know where to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, 
as somebody that can also kind of sense and feel other people's emotions. Um, when you first start noting that noticing that, I understand how that can be like super disconcerting. And like, um, also, like, I do occasionally like see the spirit. So I also understand how when that happens, how that can be super disconcerting. And it can be hard sometimes to be like, is this just a brain thing? Like, is this just like mental illness manifesting? Or is this like a witch thing? And um, I, with my mental illness and like, um, because of like sleep deprivation, some other stuff, I have had like actual hallucinations that weren't spiritual. It was just my brain doing things. But your brain processes it very differently. I think when it's like a spiritual thing versus when it's not, like it just feels different. Like when I hallucinated a moose in the road, I firmly believe that that's just the way life was. And that sometimes there's just like a spirit moose just being in the road. And when I first started seeing like my ancestors and like spirits and things like that, um, I had the presence of mind to be like, Hey, this is weird. Like, is this real? And to like ask questions about it. And, um, I think sometimes like having questions about it and being disconcerted about it. And also when your family has a history of also being about that work is more of an indication that it's probably like a spiritual thing, especially if you don't have a history of seeing stuff outside of that. I think it's important what you mentioned too, that sometimes it might be a spirit and then other yeah. times it might not be right. Like this isn't an all or nothing thing. It's not, if you're seeing something it's, it's there and it's real and that's what it is or it's, you know, or no, it's your mind playing tricks Sometimes it's either. Sometimes you could be having, you could be seeing a spirit or sensing energy. And another time you could see something in the corner of your eye and it was a mm. car going by. You know what I mean? Like it's both can be true. I also try to look at like the patterns of these things. Right. So like, is there similarities in the, in the visits from, or the things that you're experiencing? Like for me, there are certain spirits that will come to me in a very specific mm. way, right? A very specific set of circumstances or a very specific smell or a specific feeling. So I think too, noticing those patterns, like your mind is unlikely to fabricate an exact scenario over and over and over again, right? Um, it, so I tend to look for patterns in, in what I'm experiencing, you know, if, or, or to, to really stop engage what I'm feeling. I mean, I've definitely had a thing where I was like, what was that out of the corner of my eye? Was it a ghost? You know, was it a spirit? And then I'm like, no, I like tap into what I'm feeling internally. Like, do I feel anything or did I maybe just, you know, catch, catch a fly in my side vision, you know, in my peripheral vision, you know, there's lots of, so I think too, like taking the time to tap into what you feel emotionally, like certain when I interact with certain ancestors or certain, um, spirits, uh, there's like consistent feelings around both of them. Like I have a specific feeling when my grandmother's mm -hmm. around, like it's a very, it's a very specific feeling that I don't feel when I necessarily, um, uh, have interactions in other ways. Or like, if it's my mom, it's often a hummingbird is one of the calling cards for my mom. Or again, it's a specific smell or a specific like feeling of touch, um, even though there's nothing there. So again, it's, I think paying attention to those patterns can be helpful. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I always tell my friends and like, you know, which is locally that I talk to, like when they're like, Hey, is this like a brain thing or is this like a spirit thing? Like if weird shit's happening and you're not sure what it is, that just means that you need to start paying attention because like, if it's a brain thing, there's going to be other signs pointing at brain things. If it's a spirit thing, there's going to be other signs pointing at spirit things. You just have to start like keeping track of what's happening and like paying attention. But I also tell people to like, try to rule out the mundane shit first before you just go assuming everything in the universe is some kind of spirit trying to talk to you because many times it's not. Noni, I have to thank you so much for joining us because I thought this was some of the things you talked about. I just thought were so cool and, and just offered a different level of, you know, kind of fiber crafts and witchcraft and, and, your practice and it was just so interesting and and I think you gave so much good information to our listeners. Um, can you let us know what would be the best way for our listeners to be able to keep in touch with you or find you? Um, okay. Well, I am Nani Romanoff on basically everywhere. Um, so you can look me up on Twitter at Nani Romanoff or um, on Instagram. Um, I'm technically on TikTok, but I don't use it. So maybe don't look for me there. Um, I am also on Facebook. My shop again is castingcraft.etsy.com. Um, yeah, if you look up Nani Rona pretty much anywhere, you will find me. <laughs> so there's that. I know. I am definitely taking this, um, the, the piece about texture with me. This, is, this has been really helpful for me. And, and adding a deeper dimension to the work that I do magically is thinking about texture when selecting ingredients for a spell. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Well, thank you all so much for listening to another episode. If you want to support the show, the best way is to subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast platform. We are now on Patreon. If you don't want to commit to a monthly subscription, you can buy us a coffee, or you can purchase handmade That Witch Life merchandise on our Etsy store. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so be sure to follow and keep in touch. For show notes, audio transcript, or to ask us a question to answer on future episodes, you can go to thatwitchlife.com. Until then, keep moting that shit, and we'll talk to you next week. So mote that shit. So mote it. Find us at thatwitchlife.com for archived episodes or to ask your burning questions for us to answer in a future podcast. So mote it be. I'm seeing you when you said that. I'm seeing you in the the bunny outfit from um, oh god, what's that movie? A Christmas Story. <laughs> so yeah. Oh my god, please make her that. <laughs> I would. I would so rock that happily. I'm gonna have to try making something like that. <laughs> I would absolutely love it. Actually, if you could make me a giraffe, that would be better. I'm very down for elephants and giraffes. Bunny's not so Leopard much. print onesie. Leopard print onesie. Yes. <laughs>